you are on the line. Live on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. Hour number one officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Partly sunny, partly cloudy out there. Still not as hot as it has been in the past. So hopefully you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. Again, make sure you stay cool, hydrated, check your cars at all times. I'm just, I'm tired of reading those stories, man, of, of you know, animals and, and kids being left in vehicles and stuff in this. It's too hot out there, man. It really is. So make sure you're checking your car, staying safe, staying cool, stay hydrated. All of that good stuff as it is the dog days of summer here in the state of Alabama. But again, hope you're doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. We got a lot to talk about here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We've got a lot to talk about. You can call in, be a part of the show. I'd love to hear from you and what you have to say about anything I'm talking about, anything that's going on in the sports world that I may have missed, I would love to hear from you and what you have to say. Give me a call, 334-321-1390. That number again is 334-321-1390. We have a lot to talk about in the college football world, so we're going to hit on that today. Here in hour number one, we're going to talk to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. He will be on at 2.30 to talk about Uh, We'll wrap up the the college baseball season. We'll continue our segment diving into the Auburn football schedule. We'll talk about some of the news coming out of college football today and over the past couple of days. So Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily at 2.30 here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. We are 67 days away from the college football season And, you know, it's 67 days from September 3rd. That's when Auburn kicks off. There are a few games that are happening before then. Uh, There are a few SEC games that are before then. I know Vanderbilt plays Hawaii like a week before everybody else. Uh, I think Tennessee also plays a few days. I think they play maybe that September 1st. But September 3rd is when Auburn kicks off. Most of the rest of the SEC will kick off as well. That is 67 days away from today so the countdown continues here on on the line and want to start the show today with the announcement from the ACC they have made scheduling changes to the football side of things they have announced a new scheduling format has the ACC for the years 2023 through 2026 so they're going to try something out see how it works with the football scheduling and then they'll go from there I think it's really interesting, and if you haven't seen it, we're going to break it all down here in this first segment on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm going to talk about the format, what they announced, sort of how it is broken down, uh, who teams will be playing, when they will be playing, and also where they will be playing. We'll talk about the division situation because they have cut out divisions altogether. They are now down to one division. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, We're also going to touch on 
the consistency of when you're going to play certain teams. You know, obviously this is in the ACC, you know, but when will Clemson play Florida State? When will Louisville play Miami? When will Syracuse play Pitt? Those types of things, we're going to talk about those as well. And it's really interesting to see how the ACC broke that up. We're going to talk about with every ACC team, who they will be playing every single year. We'll hit on that. And then ultimately, is this something that will catch on from the other major conferences, including the SEC, which we will hit on later on in the show. So lots to get into. So let's jump right into it here on On the Line. The ACC announced today the new scheduling format for college football in the 2023 season through the 2026 season. And what it is, it's a 355 Football scheduling model is what they called it, a 3-5-5 format. And how it works is teams will play. This is from the ACC football Twitter page. This is what their description of it was on their Twitter account today. Teams will play three primary opponents annually, plus face the other 10 teams in the conference twice during a four-year cycle, once at home and once on the road. So let me read that again. Teams in the ACC will play three primary opponents annually, so you will play three teams every single year, and then the other 10 teams in the conference, you will face them twice during a four-year span, once at home and once on the road. That is what the ACC announced today in or for their football scheduling in the future for 2023 through 2026. Ultimately, It looks a little weird because it's different, right? It's different, but you get those three primary opponents every single year. And I'm not sure if the schools and the programs got to have any input on that or if the conference fully decided on what that was going to be. But looking up and down the list, I think they did a pretty good job. Obviously, I'm not an ACC fan, and I'm not a fan of any of those schools, so... I'm not, I can't say if I'm happy or disappointed with what, how it turned out. But when you look at teams like Clemson, yeah, they play Florida State every single year. I think we can all agree from the outside looking in, that was a matchup that probably should have happened and should have been kept. That's a team, or those, that's a matchup where, I mean, that's a game that should happen every year, right? That Clemson, Florida State is one of those games in the ACC that everybody looks forward to. You look down some of the other ones, and we'll go through this in just a minute, all of the primary opponents for each of these teams. Duke and North Carolina, obviously this is on the football side of things, but there's always still some history uh, in football for Duke and North Carolina. Uh, Florida State plays Miami every year. Uh, You've got Louisville. They play Miami every year. Pitt has Syracuse every year. So, So again, Nothing on this list jumps out and says, well, why aren't they playing this team? Or why are they not, you know, why are they playing this team? None of that really jumps out to me super crazy. I'm happy that Clemson and Florida State play each other every year. I think that was really, really important. But overall, looking up and down the list, it looks to be pretty good, right? And so now every team in the ACC, you have three opponents that you play every single year. And I'm sure, like normal, that will rotate between home and away, just like it has every other year with every other big rivalry game in any other conference. I like that aspect of it. That's something that we have talked about in in all of the different formats that we have discussed here on the show, and other people have discussed as well. You have to have a few opponents that you play 
every single year. I mean, there's certain games that just have to happen, and it looks like the ACC tried to make that happen with the three primary opponents. Then, every year, outside of those three that you play every year, you're going to play another five schools. Okay, it's an eight-game conference schedule, and the ACC, they tweeted out the future schedules for these football programs. So if you look at it, you've got three of the primary opponents and five other games that you will play, split between home and away, obviously. And so you have an eight-game conference schedule for the ACC. Again, I've talked about how for the SEC, I would want a nine-game SEC schedule, a nine-game conference schedule, cut out one of those quote-unquote cupcake games. I would like to see that happen, but it doesn't look like that's happened here in this ACC format. But again, you still get eight conference games. You play the three primaries and then five other conference opponents that will sort of rotate throughout the years because you're going to play these teams twice in a four-year span. Okay, And so what that means is you may not play a certain team back-to-back years. Clemson may not play... Let's see, just looking at their schedule, they may not play North Carolina in back-to-back years, and they probably won't. It'll probably be every other year that you play the other teams outside of those primary three. And so that's sort of what we're looking at here. And so, of course, the other 10 teams, you play twice in that four-year cycle, once at home and once on the road. You'll play them, I would assume it would be every other year. So if you play Team A this year, you're not going to play them next year. You would play them the following year opposite of where you played them if you played them at home this year it would be at their place in two years and vice versa right I, I kind of like that I, I think it mixes it up just a little bit but what's really big here is that the ACC decided no more divisions we're not doing divisions anymore there's no east and west there's no north and south whatever you want to call it with any other conference that's not existing anymore They play in one division as one conference. And you've got your three primary opponents. You play the other 10 in a a four-year cycle rotation. There's no divisions. There's no cross-division play. There's no, you know, separate sides of the conference. Everybody plays everybody. In a four-year span, you're going to play every single team at home and on the road. That is what I like about this. That's what I love about this, actually. Because you're going to play every team at your place and at their place in a four-year span. Not like it is, take like the SEC, for example, where Auburn sees Florida once every six or seven years. I don't like that. I don't like that. So I like where the ACC has gone with this. And so you may be asking, well, Jacob, if they only have one division, who plays in the conference championship game? Well, the top two teams at the end of the year in the ACC by their conference win percentage. That's very important. By their conference win percentage, the top two teams at the end of the year will play in the conference championship game. You remember the BCS style back in the day? The top two teams go and play the national championship? It's going to be the same thing here for the ACC. The top two teams that have the best in-conference winning percentage will play for the conference championship game. Now, tiebreakers, I don't know how they're going to address that. I doubt that'll come up too much, but I'm sure eventually it will. I think at that point, you would have to look at head-to-heads, and I'm sure they have a big detailed list of how they would address that. But at the end of the day, the ACC now, starting next season in 2023, they'll have one division, 
Every team will play everybody within a four-year span twice at their place and yours. And the top two teams by conference winning percentage will play for the conference championship. And I think that's important. I think that's good. I think it's a good way to look at it because, like I've talked about with the problem that the SEC has and the problem that sometimes the Big Ten has is the two best teams in your conference may be from the same side, may be from the same division, the same side of the conference. And then the conference is the one that struggles, and they are the ones that get hurt because you have to take a team from the other side to play in the conference championship game. We see that in the Big Ten all the time. All the time in the Big Ten. SEC, not as much, but the Big Ten for sure. And I think the ACC has fallen into that trap as well. So now they don't have to worry about that. You have one division, and the top two teams in the conference are going to play for the championship. And the winner of that is more than likely going to go and play for the college football playoff. But what's interesting about this is it's the top two teams in the conference. And so you don't have to worry about a team in your conference, say the ACC, right? Now that there are no divisions, the two best teams from your conference will play in your conference championship game. The winner will more than likely go to the college football playoff, but the loser still has a chance. The loser still has a chance. We've seen in the past teams like Alabama not make their conference championship game because they were the second best team in their division, but probably the second best team in the SEC. But then they go and they make to a championship game, right? That won't have to happen anymore. This with the ACC, whoever loses in the ACC championship game is still considered the second best team in the conference. But what if the ACC is just that good? What if the two teams that are there, one of them's undefeated and the other one's only losses to that team? What if that's the scenario? Then they still have a good chance to make a playoff and not just the ACC. What if this format or something similar to this gets picked up and adapted and applied by other conferences? That's why I think getting rid of divisions in general is a great idea. The ACC has done that. And there's no doubt that the ACC, as a football conference right now, they need help. They need some big-time help when it comes to entertainment, quality of product, quality of teams and, and opponents and athletes, whatever you want to say. The ACC in general is down right now. You have Clemson who last year started out really bad, still ended up being a 10-win or a 10-win season. But everybody else in the ACC, they're not good. It's just that's just a fact right now with the ACC as a conference. The quality of product coming out of that that conference is just not good. The teams coming out of that conference are not good enough to compete with everybody else. So the ACC knows that they need to do something to help themselves, to help their teams, and to help their product. Because at the end of the day, they're trying to make money. Obviously, the ACC network, I don't think, has caught on too much. I don't hear a whole lot about people getting excited to watch the ACC network. But in a conference championship game, when you have the two best teams in your conference playing, 
that's more than likely going to be pretty entertaining. That's more than likely going to be the best of the best in showing what your conference is made of. I think it's a great move by the ACC. Scheduling changes, changing it up a little bit, realizing that the future of college football is changing, and the ACC is out in front of it. I like it. I'm impressed. I like what the ACC has done here. And so, quickly, we'll run through the primary opponents for all of these ACC schools. You get three of them per year. For Boston College, they play Miami, Pitt, and Syracuse. Clemson, they'll play Florida State, Georgia Tech, and North Carolina State. Duke will play North Carolina, NC State, and Wake Forest. Florida State will play Clemson, Miami, and Syracuse. That's a pretty good bunch. Georgia Tech will play Clemson, Louisville, and Wake Forest. Um... Louisville will play Georgia Tech, Miami, and Virginia. Miami will play Boston College, Florida State, and Louisville every single year. These are the three primary opponents for every school in the ACC for football. North Carolina will play Duke, NC State, and Virginia. NC State, Clemson, Duke, North Carolina. Pitt will play Boston College, Syracuse, and Virginia Tech. Syracuse has Boston College, Florida State, and Pitt. Virginia has Louisville, North Carolina, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech has Pitt, Virginia and Wake Forest, and then Wake Forest has Duke, Georgia Tech, and Virginia Tech. So a little bit of highlights there. Obviously, Clemson has Florida State, Georgia Tech, and NC State. I think they lucked up. You get Florida State, of course. Georgia Tech, more than likely, Clemson's not too worried about Georgia Tech. Same thing with NC State. They'll always give you a pretty tough game, but tough is in quotation marks. That's tough for the ACC, right? Florida State, you've got Clemson and Miami. Those are two Big-time programs, big-time games in the ACC on top of Syracuse where, you know, normally not too worried about that in football, but I guess you never know. Miami, I think they lucked up as well with Boston College, Florida State, and Louisville. The only one that could be anything in the next few years is Florida State. The other two, not so much. And even Florida State right now, really not so much. And that's the problem with the ACC. They've got one team right now. They have one team that can do anything, and it's Clemson. Other than that, the ACC is not doing a whole lot. And so I ask you this. Is this something that you think will catch on in other conferences, this 3-5-5 format? We'll have to see. But at the end of the day, I like it. I like this format, and I think it will catch on. I really do. I think this type of format will catch on. Am I saying that Uh, A conference is going to take this exact format? No, not necessarily. They might, but I think something like this will absolutely catch on. The one division thing is what really gets me excited. The one division and having three primary opponents and rotating everybody else and playing every other team in your conference more often, that's exciting. That makes for better football. That makes for better games, better seasons, more entertaining games and seasons is what we want as college football fans. This type of format does that. So good job for the ACC. They figured it out. They have a good format, and they have a three-year test run where they're going to try this thing. Well, technically four, I guess, 23, 24, 25, and 26 seasons. So the four years, everybody will play everybody, and at that point, we'll see how it goes. I think it will catch on. Later on in the show, we're going to talk about the SEC and whether they should take this type of format or if they should do something else. Remember that four-pod system we talked about a while back? We'll bring that up some more as well. We'll talk about the SEC and this type of format, what it would look like, and ultimately, should the SEC take it. But 
I like this format. Congratulations to the ACC. Announcing a new football scheduling format today, beginning in 2023. Three primary opponents, everybody else will rotate. You'll play them twice in a four-year's time span. Hey, we're off and running on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment, question, concern about what I'm talking about, anything else going on in the sports world, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Let's take our first break in hour number one. We'll come back. Question of the day on the other side of this break. Welcome back into the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Got a few more minutes before we head to the bottom of the hour break. Remember, we'll have Zach Blackerby, host of the Locked On Auburn podcast, and with Auburn Daily, we'll have him on at 2.30 to talk all things Auburn athletics. So make sure you stay tuned for that interview. That'll be Zach Blackerby at 2.30. But talking about the, the new announcement from the ACC and their scheduling change for their college football seasons brings up the question of the day. I'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Question of the day is this. With the ACC's new football scheduling format where every team has three primary opponents every single year, that's three teams that you will play every single year no matter what, What are those three teams for Auburn football that they have to play every single year in your mind? In your opinion, what are the three teams that Auburn football has to play every single year? If the SEC were to take this new 3-5-5 format, who are the three teams that you want to see Auburn play every single year? You can base it off historically, who does Auburn have to play due to the historic matchups? Who do you want to see Auburn play? over uh, you know for however long they would take that format the three teams you would want to see Auburn play every year or in your opinion who are those three teams that you think Auburn needs to play for the best success now don't just pick the bottom three teams in the SEC we all know that but in your opinion who are those three teams that Auburn football would have to play, in your opinion, would have to play every single year if the SEC were to take this new format. Give me a call. 334-321-1390. There's a few ways to look at this, right? Like I said, you can look at this historically, and you could say, well, Auburn has played these teams every year since whatever, right? You can say you could go that route. You could go, well, You know, obviously there's the one that Auburn has to play, but I think I'd like to see it switched up a little bit. You could go that way. You could say, you know what, Jacob? I want Auburn to play just completely different teams that they haven't played or they don't get to play a whole lot. I think Auburn should play these three teams every year in football. That's a great way to go at it too. I want to know what your thoughts are on that as we are talking about the ACC's new football scheduling format. And I like it. I like it a lot. One division, three primary opponents every year. You play an eight-game conference schedule. And the other ten teams in the conference, you play them twice in a four-year span. Once at your place and once at their place. And everything just rotates. So in a four-year span, you play all of the conference opponents. Once at your place and once at theirs. I think that 
just makes sense. To me, it just makes sense. Right? And that's sort of like what we've talked about here on the show. That's sort of what the pod system looks like. That's sort of what this is when you look at it. Because you have three primary opponents, and then you play all of the others in a big rotation in a big circle. Sort of the same thing, except that's broken up into four quote-unquote pods, whereas this, for the ACC, they're just all thrown into one. You're playing as a conference. There's no pods. There's no divisions. There's nothing. You are just one big old conference, and the, te- and the top two teams in, each, in that conference, in the ACC, at the end of the year, before championship weekend, the top two teams by winning percentage are the ones that play in the ACC championship game. That makes sense. As I've talked about in the past, now you don't have to worry about taking one team from each division, even if one of those teams is not the second or the best in your conference. Just because they're the best of their division within the ACC or the SEC or the Big Ten, that doesn't mean that they're the second best team in the conference. They could be the third, fourth, fifth best team in the conference, but since they play in the other division and they won that division, they have to go because of the rules. The ACC has said, no, nah, we're not doing that anymore. And so do we think that's going to catch on in other conferences? I think it will. I just think it makes sense. When you break it down, it just makes more sense. Why would you not want the two best teams from your conference playing in the conference championship game? Why is there a rule, or why would you want to implement that rule and have to carry out that rule where, nope, sorry, sorry, I know you have the second best record in the conference and you, you, you've played great all year long, but this other team, they won that division. We got to take them, sorry. I just don't like that. And again, we have seen that happen so many times over the years. In the SEC, in the ACC, and the Big Ten, specifically the Big Ten, we have seen that over and over and over again. And you know what? This gives the opportunity for, look at the ACC, Clemson and Florida State can play in the ACC championship game. Think about if other conferences take this. Ohio State, Michigan. Oklahoma, Texas. How about Auburn, Alabama in the SEC championship game? Those are all possibilities with this new format. It's interesting to think about. We'll talk about it some more later on. But get ready. Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily on the other side of this break. Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goetz with you on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Welcoming in Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn and Auburn Daily. Zach, we've got a lot to talk about with Auburn athletics across the board, so we'll jump right into it. The college baseball season is over. The SEC has won yet again another baseball national championship with the Ole Miss Rebels. Obviously, Auburn fell short in Omaha, but just your overall thoughts and reactions to the College World Series with the success of the SEC once again. Yeah, I mean, what a showcase by the conference. I think uh, think you and I kind of joked a few weeks ago about 
how going into it, it looked like a snapshot of Hoover uh, in a few years with Oklahoma and Texas being there too. So all in all, a really good showing. And, you know, Ole Miss was, uh, Ole Miss was ranked last in the conference standings, at, you know, early, early in conference play. And so just their ascension was pretty incredible. All you got to do is get into the tournament and the way college baseball is. If you've got a few really stud pitchers like Ole Miss did, you can make it happen. And Auburn ran into Delusia and uh, in their first action in, in Omaha, and you know Ole Miss really took it from there. So props to Ole Miss, and really props to this Auburn squad too. You know, D1 baseball put out their final rankings, putting Auburn as the sixth best team in all of college baseball. Just when you look at what was kind of expected of them going into the season, pretty incredible job by Butch Thompson. And Zach, there's a lot of talks now that the season is over, lots of talks about, you know, possibly getting Butch Thompson a contract extension, trying to get him some better facilities and stuff. What do you expect from that in the future of Auburn baseball with Butch Thompson is to stay with Auburn? Well, I mean, that's always kind of been a talking point, and it hasn't really happened. Uh, it seems like more people are paying attention now. It seems like more people – are pushing and saying, hey, he deserves it. Let's be good at baseball. Uh, I, I hope it happens. But, you know, first things first, you know, Alan Green's got to make that call, and he's got to get his contract figured out. So I don't, I, don't really know, I don't really know what the next steps for this are, Jacob. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, look, with, with Auburn baseball, good things are happening, and I think good things will continue to happen with Auburn baseball as long as Butch Thompson is able to get the help. Talking to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily, let's go on to basketball a little bit. Last week we talked about Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler getting drafted, and we were hoping to see Jabari get taken number one overall. That did not happen. Yeah. He has been drafted number three to the Houston Rockets. Uh, just your your reaction to him falling to number three to the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm sure Auburn's marketing team had everything queued up and ready to go, talking about everything school and first overall draft picks and the three major drafts and all of that. And obviously, um, it didn't happen. And, you know, all those lines in Vegas were moving towards Fanchero, and I just – I didn't buy it, Jacob. I just wasn't buying it. It didn't make any sense. Um, you know, the Orlando Magic invited the Auburn uh, alumni base in Orlando to come watch the draft there, and he was the only player they worked out, and, you know, they, they kind of pulled it on draft day, it sounds like, so super interesting development there. But And then it sounded like Oklahoma City had kind of locked in on, you know, the, on Chet Holmgren. And so just the free fall, or at least it felt like a free fall, from one to three to Jabari Smith was, uh, was kind of crazy. You could tell he didn't expect it. Uh, I heard you talking with um, somebody yesterday on the show about how you could tell he was motivated and um, upset and a little kicked off and ready to get to work. So I think the fit is better, and I'm in by no means uh, an NBA expert and know a whole lot about these rosters, but just from a franchise standpoint, it seems like the Rockets are a better-run organization than the Orlando Magic and the Oklahoma City Thunder. So if that's the case, that seems to be the narrative. And, um, you know, Houston's got a, a young and talented roster, so I'm glad Jabari's a part of it. 
Look, I agree with you. When the when the odds were moving for Bancaro, I didn't buy it either. And I said, look, I don't think this is anything to worry about. I was so confident, like so many other people were, for Jabari to go number one overall. It did not happen, but he's still a top three draft pick. That is something that I think Auburn fans, and I've had to be reminded myself, that we need to be blessed and excited of where Auburn basketball is. Zach, is this something that you will that you expect to see continue for Auburn basketball success in the NBA draft, especially in the first round? I think so. I think so. And, you know, me being the uh, the degenerate that I am, you know, as soon as I woke up the next day, I'm like, all right, let's look at some way too early 2023 drafts. And, uh, you know, Andre Ori's on there. You know, he's expected to go right now around 20, which is around where Kessler went. So I think you're going to see a lot of that. I don't really know who the next lottery pick for the Tigers is. He's probably still in high school somewhere. But I think it's going to be a consistent thing where Bruce Pearl puts one or two guys in the league every single season, which is <laughs> which is ridiculous. But, yeah, no, I think this is the new normal, Jacob, don't you? Absolutely, I really do. And to go on with that, Walker Kessler was drafted, like you mentioned, in the first round to make Auburn basketball history. It wasn't with the number one overall draft pick, but Auburn had two guys go in the first round for the first time ever. What do you expect to see from Walker Kessler? He's going to an organization that I've said maybe he can develop a little bit slower at his own pace to where he has a better NBA career. Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm not going to act like I follow the NBA too closely, but that was kind of the knock on him, right, was, okay, you love the, the defense, that he offers day one, but the offensive game is going to need time to develop. And so, you know, it doesn't seem like he's going to be a starter there, which is probably good for Walker Kessler. Give him time, let him develop that offensive game and work with NBA coaches, right? Because, I mean, that's what you heard from Auburn fans saying like, oh, well, if he stays at Auburn, he can work on his offensive game. Like, well, (laughs) he can also do that in the NBA with NBA coaches. So uh, that's exactly what he's going to do. They'll probably park him in the G League and the Summer League and things like that to get him as many reps as possible. So I think he's in a good situation for sure. We've got Zach Blackerby on the phone, host of Locked on Auburn and with Auburn Daily. Moving on to some football news for you, my friend. The ACC announced today that they are changing up their football scheduling format with the 3-5-5. You have three primary opponents, and the other 10 will cycle through. You'll play everybody twice in a four-year span do you like this new format from the ACC? Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen that. I hadn't seen that. But I think so. I mean, I'm all for, you know, playing guys, uh, other opponents more often. And I think that's definitely something we'll see with the SEC soon-ish. Um, so, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. I think it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, the ACC was one of those conferences where it was like, I mean, it seems like one half of it was significantly more loaded than the other half. It's kind of what the SEC has run into, and same with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. So I think it's probably going to make their conference more competitive, and yeah, the ACC really needs that right now. Absolutely, and to give you a little bit more information on that, they've they've done away with the divisions. It's one single division. They're playing as one conference, and the top two teams by conference winning percentage, they're the ones that play for the conference championship game. Is this something you think the SEC should adapt to, as you alluded to, the the uh, the top-heavy uh, Western division of the SEC? Yeah, and I think it will. I think it will. Once they decide what they want to do, whether it's, you know, the – 
it, it really just comes down to if they want to add that extra game or not. Kind of what it sounds like. So, uh, yeah, but I, I think so. I think so. If the best two teams are SEC West teams and the best two teams are AC, uh, SEC East teams, yeah, they should absolutely play each other in the championship. No question. Talking to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. Zach, want to continue with what we started last week, taking a dive into this Auburn football schedule as we inch closer to the season and SEC media days, of course. The next three games on the schedule for us to cover, Missouri, LSU, and then at Georgia. We'll start with Missouri Saturday, September 24th. It's the fourth game of the year. It's all at home, and it's the first SEC game of the year. What can we expect to see in this matchup? I know it's still June, right? But what can we expect to see from Auburn and Missouri on Saturday, September 24th in Jordan-Hare Stadium? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know exactly what we're going to be able to see. Um, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered before that. But it is interesting. This is kind of the game that has been overlooked in my mind. I mean, everybody's talking about the first five games, the five games before Auburn takes on Georgia in Athens. And everyone's like, all right, Auburn could either go 5-0 and or 3-2. and And the two is Penn State and LSU. Everybody just has this Missouri team um, a win next to it. And so, like, that's probably going to happen. I think Auburn will be favored against Missouri, but don't overlook them. Don't overlook this team. I think this is going to be a potential trap game for the Tigers. But uh, as far as what to look for, I mean, I, I have no idea, Jacob. Right, and it's still early, obviously. We're talking in the in the late days of June, but, you know, moving on through the schedule. And then, of course, the last game of that first five at home, it's LSU. Auburn coming off historically winning in Baton Rouge last year, the first time in, in my lifetime, literally. And now LSU comes back to Auburn before the Tigers head on to Georgia. I guess a better question would be, what do you what do you want to see from Auburn in that LSU game, despite the results of the first four in that game before heading to Athens? Well, I think the results from the first four matter going into that. You know, I think Auburn's either going to be in a groove and feeling itself and having some kind of confidence under Brian Harson, or there's going to be a lot of concern around the program. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Auburn uh, to win that game before things could potentially get really really bad because i don't think you're going to feel too good going to athens if you have multiple losses on your belt already so uh it's a big one and this is certainly a winnable game um it's not as winnable i think as penn state or missouri but it's certainly a winnable contest you know uh, you know lsu is going to want to get revenge auburn finally has a win streak over them for the first time like you said in your lifetime that's a big deal and i think um I don't know, just with everything that's happened with LSU this offseason, a lot of guys transferring, this is um, this is a team that I think is still going to be finding itself. I think it's going to take a while for Brian Kelly to really kind of have his fingerprint on everything they want to do. So I think this is a good situation for Auburn. Speaking with, speaking with Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily, the last game I want to talk about today before I let you go, after that five-game uh, home streak after the first couple of SEC games, Auburn travels to Athens, a place that the Tigers have not Ooh. had much success. Of course, Georgia coming off of a national championship. They do lose quite a bit of talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but we know what Kirby Smart can do, especially on the recruiting trail. What does Auburn's mindset have to be going to Athens? And like you said, the record will 
depend on that, but what does the mindset have to be for Auburn heading into Athens to take on the defending national champs? Yeah, I mean, you you got to bring it. You got to be close to perfect on the road. It's going to be Auburn's first road action of the 2022 season, and it's going to be against a team that's a lot more talented than you. But you just got to go in and do your job and, and play to the best of your ability. On tomorrow's Locked on Auburn, Jacob, um, Lance Dahl of Auburn Daily joins me, and we talk about what Auburn needs to do to upset the Georgia Bulldogs. And a lot of that has to do with consistent quarterback play. A lot of it has to do with taking advantage of certain situations. And also, you know, I think some of the action that's happening going into that week um, will also play into that. So, yeah, we go super in-depth on this on tomorrow's Locked on Auburn. Well, there you go, folks. Make sure you go and listen to Locked on Auburn tomorrow with Zach Blackerby and his, uh, his buddy Lance Dahl from Auburn Daily coming on to discuss this exact topic that we are discussing right now. Well, Zach, I appreciate you and your time, man. As always, let everybody know where they can find Locked on Auburn and everything else you got with Auburn Daily. Yeah, just search Locked on Auburn wherever you consume media, whether it's your favorite podcast app, Google, or YouTube. We will come up there. Then head over to AuburnDaily.com to see all of, uh, all of our written work covering the Auburn Tigers for Sports Illustrated. Well, Zach, as always, I appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you next week. We'll continue with this segment. Awesome. Thanks, Jacob. That was Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn and Auburn Daily here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line talking about Auburn baseball, wrapping up that season, a little bit of Auburn basketball, getting his thoughts and opinions about Jabari and Walker, and then, of course, continuing on through the Auburn football schedule. Just trying to preview a little bit uh, this schedule as we are getting closer to SEC media days and then, of course, closer to the college football season. 67 days away, to be exact, from the Auburn football season. Let's take our final break here in hour number one. When we come back, I've got a little bit of NBA drama updates going on with a couple of players around the National Basketball Association. We'll talk about that and wrap up the first hour of the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Wrapping up the first hour here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Big thank you to Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn, and with Auburn Daily, just got off the phone with him talking all things Auburn athletics. If you missed that or any other parts here in hour number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, also, we talked about me and Zach. We talked Auburn baseball, a little bit of basketball. We talked some more Auburn football, diving in through the schedule a little bit. And he talked about tomorrow on his Locked on Auburn episode, him and Lance Dog, good buddy of the show, they will be talking about the Auburn-Georgia game. We talked about that a little bit. They will be going super deep into that. So if you're interested, make sure you go and find that. Just search Locked on Auburn uh, wherever you get your podcast. He also says wherever you consume media, it'll pop up. So make sure you go and find that. But we've got about three more minutes here in this first hour on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Some NBA updates for you, for any of you NBA fans. Uh, There's been a lot of drama going on in the NBA with players uh, re-signing or picking up options or trying to be traded and big names trying to go big places. And it has, I mean, it's just, this is why the NBA is so successful and makes so much money. Is because it's not because of the basketball on the floor. I promise you that. It is not because 
of the product that is on the floor. It is the drama around the product on the floor. That is what makes the NBA so successful, and they do it better than any other league. <clears throat> Excuse me. They do it better than any other league in professional sports. I've never seen anything like it. The NBA's drama is just, it, it never stops. There's always something going on with these NBA players. But here are some of the, the, uh, the updates around the NBA Russell Westbrook picked up his option and is staying with the Los Angeles Lakers. I, I just I can't believe that one, but he did it. He stayed. He picked up his option. It's like forty-seven million or something like that. He is. It's in the forties, I think. Russell Westbrook staying with the Lakers. If I'm a Lakers fan, which I'm not, I don't think I'm too excited about that because you all know my opinion on Russell Westbrook. The guy's not a winner. He's a great player, but he's not a winner. I just don't know about him staying with the Lakers, but hey, here we are. He is staying with LeBron and Anthony Davis in L.A. John Wall and the Houston Rockets have split ways. They have uh, decided to go their own separate directions, and it is believed that John Wall is going to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. That's right. They expect him to sign with the Clippers in the next few days. He will be playing with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That's a fantastic trio out there. John Wall, he's a great player, man. He played at Kentucky a long time. He's a great, great player, is John Wall. He's been in the, he's been in the league for a long time. He doesn't have a ring. He doesn't really have a whole lot of playoff experiences he, he, he's just been on a lot of bad teams, and you could say he's not a winner either, but he is, he's just a great player. I really do like John Wall. He's expected to sign with the Los Angeles Clippers. And a little update on the Kyrie Irving situation. For now, he's expected to stay in Brooklyn. That is what the news is as of right now, but I feel like that updates every day, and something changes with Kyrie Irving every single day. It, 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 he Nobody knows what this guy is doing. Nobody knows what is on his mind, what his thought process is. This guy is, he's a free bird, if you will. He just does kind of whatever he wants to do. And everybody is just foaming at the mouth, waiting to see what Kyrie Irving is going to do. So as of right now, he's staying in Brooklyn. And as of right now, Kevin Durant is staying in Brooklyn. But there are people inside the situation that say Kyrie Irving going to the Lakers. It's not off the table. I don't know, man. The NBA, it's full of drama, but hey, it works on me. That's it for hour number one. Stay tuned. Hour number two is going to be a good one. You don't want to miss it. It's coming up. are on the line live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 you're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins with you on the Tuesday edition of the show. 
Hour number one officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Silicaga. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon. The sun has come out. It is shining. Turned out to be a pretty nice day here in the Auburn Opelika area. Hope you're all doing well on this Tuesday afternoon here on On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Glad to be here. It's a great day. We have a lot to talk about here in hour number two. If you missed any of hour number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. I will upload that immediately following today's show. So make sure you go and find that. Uh, In hour number one, we talked a lot about the new ACC football scheduling. We'll get into some of that here in the second hour as well. Talked to Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn and Auburn Daily. Lots of Auburn uh, athletics updates from him, kind of getting his thoughts on everything going on around Auburn. And then uh, we wrapped it up with some NBA updates. So lots that we talked about. Oh, also the question of the day. Talked about that in hour one as well. We will get into that here in hour number two. So if you missed anything from hour number one, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open all of hour number two. We don't have a guest here in the second hour, so you can call in at any time. I'd love to hear from you. You can call in, be a part of the show. Anything on your mind. Uh, in the sports world, questions, comments, concerns about anything I'm talking about, anything that I haven't talked about that you would like to discuss, give me a call. I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. That number again to put you through to me is 334-321-1390. We are 67 days away from Auburn football, 67 days away until September 3rd. There are some games that kick off before that, but Auburn kicks off on September 3rd, 67 days away from today. The countdown continues here on On the Line. But we'll start hour number two like we always do with making headlines here on Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. The ACC has created a new football scheduling format. That's right. They have created the 355 format. So what that means is the ACC, each team will take Clemson, for example. Clemson will have, and all the other ACC teams, they will all have three primary opponents that they will play every single season, whether it's at home or on the road. You have three opponents that you play every single year. And then the other 10 opponents in conference play, you will play them twice in a four-year span once at your house and once at their house, and it will rotate. And so what this means is you will play, if you're in the ACC, these teams will play all of the other ACC teams twice in a four-year time span. That's a great, great thing. And it's something that other conferences, including the SEC, should probably think about taking. Maybe not this exact way or maybe even this exact way. But this format works really well. They have gotten rid of divisions. They play as one conference, no divisions, no no pods or anything like that. It is one big division within the ACC. Each team plays three primary opponents every single year, and the other ten they play twice in a four-year span. This will get underway in 2023, and it will go through the 2026 
college football season. So a four-year trial run basically is what the ACC is going to try and do. And at the end of the regular season, the two best teams in the ACC by conference winning percentage, they will play in the conference championship game. The ACC announced that today. Later on in the show, we'll talk about whether the SEC should do this and what it would look like if the SEC were to adapt this new ACC football scheduling format. Moving on and making headlines, it was announced yesterday that Sonny DeShera from Auburn Baseball was announced as a consensus All-American, the third time ever in Auburn baseball history the Auburn slugger Sonny DeShera was named as a consensus All-American after Auburn baseball made it to Omaha. They went one and two. They fell short of the national championship, of course, but what a great year it was for Auburn baseball. What a great year it was for Sonny DeShera after transferring in to Auburn and just, I mean, just took the college baseball world by storm. And everybody knew who Sonny DeShera was from the state of Alabama all the way to the state of Oregon. They know who Sonny DeShera was. So congratulations to Sonny D for being a consensus All-American. Hey, I've got a phone call real quick. Let me take that. We'll get him on the air and continue with making headlines after this. Thanks for listening to On The Line. Please stay tuned as we take this phone call. You may get involved as well. Call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's head to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Terry on line one. How's it going, man? Good. Great, Jack. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. What you got? Um, let's talk about the, the, the most popular subject in the world right now. That's recruiting. Okay, what you got? Uh, um, doesn't seem to be going. I know Auburn is going to say we got him on campus, and that's the and it is. That's the first step. But the offensive lineman from Eufaula, and Eufaula is just what forty five minutes an hour down the road from Auburn, mm-hmm. goes to Georgia Tech over Auburn. Doesn't that bother anybody? I mean, that's that's Auburn's most pressing need right now is offensive lineman because this year they're in pretty decent shape with on the offensive line, but next year. Oh, it could be bad. Yeah, yeah. Next year is going to be a struggle, and I think there there's a group of people that have realized that, and maybe not everybody's thinking that far because they are talking about the offensive line this year that should be much improved. But you're exactly right, Terry. Next year is going to be it's going to be a struggle unless they find some guys really, really quick. And the part that bothers me the most about it, they say, well, we're going to dip into the portal, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. Well, a patchwork and offensive line. And how many times during the year do we have here that an offensive line has to function as one unit? And the reason Alabama and Georgia are successful because they keep that unit together for three, two or three years. Yeah, and they're used and and they function as a unit, and that's part of the problem. If Auburn's piece, that that's got to stop. That that has to stop. And if Brian Harson is the coach, everybody thinks he is. Not me, but everybody thinks he is. Then he's got to stop it. That that can't continue. Uh, it's I know everybody wants the flashy running back, quarterback, or receiver, and that's fine. But it all starts and finishes up at the front. You're exactly right on that. It starts and ends up front. It doesn't matter how good the quarterback and running back is if they don't have any time or space to do anything. You're exactly right. And, and I like the point that you're making about the, the offensive line working as one unit rather than just plug and chug guys here and there because there's not going to be any, any chemistry, right? That's, ex, that's exactly right. And maybe, you know, maybe that's something he figures out this year. Maybe it's something he figures out next year. But, hey, he's got to get to next year first, my friend. Well, he, hey, listen, dude. He better he better figure it out this year, and he better not wait till next year because next year could be really ugly. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. Um, I just, I just, I just can't emphasize that point enough. This this patch and play thing that that impresses people, especially when you have a, a Greg Robinson on the offensive line who is just so good. It's not even funny. 
that can work. But that, that you know, even Greg Robinson was around those guys for a while. Those guys were together for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, got, I agree. You can't, you can't keep asking guys to come in and fill spaces and just take up space. That that just doesn't work. And I wish people would come to the realization of that because, and then you have these people out there that think, oh, well, you got to win games on defense. No, not really. You don't win baseball games two to one anymore. You don't win football games ten to seven anymore. That doesn't happen. Yeah, you got a point yeah. on that one. The, the game of college football has changed dramatically. You're exactly, you're exactly right on that. I mean, when you talk about the SEC, I think we've had this conversation before, Terry. The SEC is not a like you said. You're not winning fourteen to ten anymore. You're winning thirty six to thirty or something like that. So you got to be able to score some points. But when you talk about the offensive line. I think you've got to take advantage of a, of a year where you should be good up front this year, right? You should be good on the offensive line this year. But for Auburn, you've got to find some dudes, and you've got to find chemistry early next year and really in the offseason to make it successful. But it is going to take a little bit of time, and I say that because when you really look at it, why would an offensive lineman want to come to Auburn right now? Auburn can't really offer them a whole lot compared to what a, a bunch of other schools can. That's what Auburn and Brian Harson have to figure out what makes no, but you Auburn from some next year? Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. What makes Auburn a place for offensive linemen to want to come here? Nothing for this year, but next year you're a starter. Yeah, that's or, a, or a big time contributor. There it is. And, we, and if you look at Jacob, you look at, uh, at Auburn in history. When they're good on offense, that's when they finish toward the top of the league. Mm-hmm. When you when Auburn finishes first or second and their third in the in offensive categories or statistics. And, and finishes somewhere in the middle of Pack Davis, they're usually really good. If it's the other way around, they're usually a 6-7 a and seven team, which is what they were last year. Well, it, it, at this point in college football, offense, it does. It wins. Just look at Alabama. They adjusted. It used to be defense. Now it's offense. And that's what the great programs do. We're going to have to see if Auburn can do that. And you're, I mean, I, I can't stress enough, it does. It starts up front with the offensive line. Should be a good year this year, but next year you've got it right on the – you've nailed it on the head, man. It's got to be It's got to be better next year. Terry, I appreciate the call, man, as always. Take care, Jacob. That was Terry here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Give me a call. I'd love to hear from you as well. 334-321-1390. We can sit here all day and talk about how much the offensive line has, has really been the thorn in the side of Auburn in the past – how it will probably be that way in the future unless something changes. But all we can do is talk about it. Auburn has got to find a way to get some offensive linemen, not just on campus, get them to commit and get them to be good. I think this year could be a big uh, factor in that, right? If you can make some of these guys on the offensive line this year become really good and I'm not saying send them to the next level or anything, but if you can show that the offensive line is very important to Auburn and make them better than when they showed up, I think you can use that on the recruiting trail. You can use that for future recruits for Brian Harson in this offensive line. You've just got, and like I told Terry, you've got to make Auburn a place for offensive linemen to want to come. And he was exactly right, Terry was, with you can offer playing time, you can offer a starting role. For offensive linemen, if you're good, you're probably going to start at Auburn right now. But they want more than that. That's a big-time deal, but they want more than that. They want to play at the next level. They want to win games, compete for championships, and go on to the next level. That's what they want to do. Auburn is not doing that right now, folks. Auburn barely is doing that. So that is what Auburn has to do. But you're exactly right, my friend. Next year... You better watch out. Auburn better get some guys on the offensive line because 
It starts up front. Doesn't matter how good the quarterback, running back, wide receivers are. Tight ends. If there's no time or space to do anything, it doesn't matter. Terry, I appreciate the call. Always great to hear from you, my man. Anybody else wants to call in, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Moving on in making headlines. I ended hour number one with a lot of NBA updates. Russell Westbrook staying with the Los Angeles Lakers. John Wall is out of Houston. He will be more than likely going to the Los Angeles Clippers. Talked about the drama that the NBA create, creates uh, around itself, and it does it better than anybody else. Kyrie Irving, for right now, is staying in Brooklyn. Kevin Durant, as of right now, staying in Brooklyn. But I talked about the drama that the NBA creates, and it does that better than any other league. That's why it's so popular, not for the product they put on the floor, but the drama that they build around it. And during the break, in between the first hour and second hour, I was scrolling through Twitter, and as I was talking about the NBA creating drama, I just saw Stephen A. Smith and Kyrie Irving going back and forth on Twitter, calling each other out about stuff they've said. And Stephen A. Smith, you know, Stephen A. Smith, he's from ESPN. He's probably the highest paid guy there on Air Talent. He does first take, all of that stuff. He is very good at what he does. you got to give him credit. Like him or not, he's good at what he does, and he makes a lot of money doing it. He called out Kyrie Irving and said, meet me somewhere, and we'll hash this out in front of everybody. That's wild. That just blew my mind. If you have, you have that much power and that much influence as Stephen A. Smith does to where you can have an argument with Kyrie Irving about Kyrie Irving's career and what Kyrie Irving does off the basketball floor. That's wild to me. But that's what ESPN and the NBA do, and they're very, very good at that. And so give them credit. The NBA offseason is is just as wild, if not even more wild, than the, the regular season and the playoffs for the NBA. More headlines here on Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. There are some changes in the way-too-early top 25 for college basketball. Look, it's a long way away from the college basketball season it's June 28th, right? We've still got we've still got some time before the college basketball season gets here, but it's always interesting to look at how the way too early top 25 is moving, what they are expecting for the co- upcoming college basketball season, particularly with Auburn, right? We want to know what they are expecting from Auburn. You look up and down this top 25, Kentucky drops from three to four, so not a huge drop there. Uh, the defending national champions, Kansas, they are up to the sixth team in the top 25. Uh, looking through Arkansas is, is at the 10 spot. Lots of hype around that team. They have... Here's their projected starting lineup for the Arkansas Razorbacks on the hardwood this year. Anthony Black, number 15 in the ESPN 100. Nick Smith, number three in the ESPN 100. They return, oh, excuse me, from the transfer portal, they have Ricky Council, who is a, he scored 12 points a game last year at Wichita State. They bring in Jordan Walsh, who's number 11 in the ESPN 100, and then uh, Mikel Mitchell, who scored almost 11 points a game at Rhode Island last year. That's the starting five for Arkansas. Three guys in the top 15 in the country are going to be starting for Arkansas. That's insane. Auburn is at number 12 in the way-too-early top 25 for college basketball. The projected starting lineup for the Tigers as of right now. Wendell Green Jr., K.D. Johnson, Alan Flanagan, Yoan Traore, and Janai Broom. That is your projected starting lineup for Auburn. That sounds pretty good, right? It sounds like it's pretty accurate. We'll see how it goes until the college basketball season rolls around. But there's your updated top 25 looking at some of the SEC teams. Tennessee is at 13. 
Uh, trying to find a couple of more Alabama at 19. So just kind of some updates on that. We're still quite a few months away from the college basketball season. A couple more headlines here. Actually, just one more. This was interesting. This happened about an hour before I came on the air. If you follow professional baseball and you follow the Atlanta Braves, you know that the drama with Freddie Freeman in the offseason not returning to Atlanta was something that, I mean, it took Atlanta by storm. It took the Major League Baseball. It took World by storm, really. And it turns out it's something that Freddie Freeman regrets, I think. You could tell when the Dodgers came to Atlanta last weekend, you could tell he was very emotional. He was very upset, right? And there was a lot of drama in the offseason of him not returning to Atlanta with contract negotiations with his agent, who was negotiating the contracts with Atlanta and then with L.A., and there was a lot going on behind the scenes there. Of course, Freddie Freeman, he left the Braves. He goes to the Dodgers. It seems like something, in my opinion, it seems like he regrets it, but the decision has been made. He's been playing for the Dodgers now. But interesting today, Freddie Freeman, he fired his agent today after he said he was frustrated with how the things went down in the offseason. He fired his agent today, folks. Not that that changes a whole lot right now, but when his contract is up with the Dodgers, you never know. Will Freddie Freeman try to find a way back to Atlanta? I could see something like that happening, but it's interesting to see after that was handled so poorly by Freddie Freeman's agent, he fired him today. And you hate to see it. And I saw people saying this on Twitter. Let's not pity a guy that's making however much money he is, millions and millions of dollars. But... When you talk about your happiness and you talk about your family, that you are an Atlanta guy, a guy that played for the Braves for so long and did so much for the Braves organization, you can tell that he didn't want to leave Atlanta. You can tell that he misses playing in Atlanta and he's sad that he left. And he was obviously disappointed with how his agent handled it (laughs) and he fired him today. So we'll see what the impact on that will be. But Freddie Freeman has fired his agent today from the Los Angeles Dodgers. Freddie Freeman has. That's it for making headlines here on Tuesday, June 28th, 2022. On the other side of this break, we'll discuss the question of the day. I introduced it in hour number one and here it is to you. With the ACC's new scheduling format, with having each team having three primary opponents every single year, that's three teams that you play every year no matter what, who are those three teams that Auburn football needs to play every year in your mind? That's the question of the day. 334-321-1390, that number again, 334-321-1390. I'll talk about that. On the other side of this break, I'll give you the three teams that I think Auburn football needs to play year in and year out. The three of them, if they were to take this format, we'll talk about that on the other side of this break. Back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Question of the day, in case you have missed it, with the ACC announcing their new football scheduling format, they have a every team has three primary opponents that they will play every single season. Question of the day is this. 
if Auburn and the SEC were to have that format, who would those three teams have to be for Auburn that they would need to play every single year in your mind? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. And in the first hour, I talked about there's a couple of different ways to go about this, right? You could look at it historically and say, Auburn needs to play Alabama, Georgia, and LSU because historically those are the teams that Auburn has always played and they should continue to play them. That's one way to look at it. You can look at it as what three teams would get Auburn, give Auburn excuse me, the best chance at winning. Well, you could pick the three worst teams in the SEC. That wouldn't happen, but you could look at it that way. You could try to find a, a balance, right? You could try to say, well, there's a, obviously there's one game that Auburn, there's one team that Auburn has to play, and then the other two, maybe you could switch it up a little bit. Maybe throw in a team that they normally play every year, but not super historically, you know, relevant, right? There's, there's tons of different ways to look at this topic, and I would love to get what your thoughts and opinions are on this, you the listener, on what... In your mind, the three teams that Auburn football has to play every single year. Everybody else in the SEC would rotate, but who are the three that Auburn would have to play in your mind for it to be a successful season for you to be comfortable, right, in your mind? Who are those three teams? Give me a call. 334-321-1390. For me, the obvious answer is Alabama. That game will always remain. It will always be on Auburn's schedule until the end of time. Uh, Auburn and Alabama will always play, right? That is the obvious first choice. The second choice for me personally, there's a lot of people that don't want Georgia on the schedule. And I get that, right? I understand why you don't want Georgia on the schedule, especially right now with as good as they are coming off of national championships, Kirby Smart doing his thing, the recruiting, everything going on with Georgia. I understand why you wouldn't want the Bulldogs on the schedule every year. But this is where the historical aspect comes in. This is where you've got to look at it and say, this is a game between Auburn and Georgia. It's the Deep South's oldest rivalry, right? That's what it's called. This game has to remain on the schedule. I- I'm sorry. I would, I would not feel comfortable with Auburn avoiding Georgia like Alabama does or like all the other SEC West schools do, right? I, I just wouldn't feel comfortable. Auburn plays Georgia every year, and that's something that I want to, I want to see continue to happen. Right, And we're looking at this if, if the SEC were to have a different format, right? If Auburn had only three opponents that they played every single year, who would they be? The first two for me, it's Alabama because duh, and Georgia for the historical aspect. And then the third one for me, you can, you can kind of change this one out a little bit. This one can be inter, interchanged or however you want to say that. There's a couple of different options here. You could choose Arkansas. I think that would be a good one. Texas A&M, I think that would be a good one. LSU, I think that would be a good one. And honestly, any of the SEC West teams you could choose and make an argument for. Ole Miss, Mississippi State. I don't think it would be any other SEC East team just because Auburn doesn't really have anything tied to those teams. Alabama's would be Tennessee, of course. But Auburn doesn't really have 
any rivalry, historical thing with any of those other teams. You know, Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina, Missouri, Florida, Vanderbilt. So for me, if Auburn had only three teams that they had to play every single year, despite the other ones rotating, for me it would be Alabama, Georgia, and I think Arkansas. I think I'm going to choose Arkansas. Why? I don't know. I don't know. I just think Arkansas is a fun opponent. It's one that Auburn should win more times than not, but yet it's still a fun matchup, and I would love to see Auburn play Arkansas every year. That would be the three that I would pick for Auburn football. Stay tuned. We're going to talk about what the SEC should do with their scheduling format if they should follow the ACC on the other side of this break. Thirty more minutes left in the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Thirty more minutes left here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. 334-321-1390. Anything on your mind in the sports world, question of the day, anything I'm talking about, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Well, lots of talk today about the ACC's new football scheduling format, the 355. With each team in the ACC, you have three you have three uh, primary opponents every single year, and then the other 10 rotate you play them twice every four years once at your house and once at theirs but here is what we're going to talk about in this segment is this something that that the sec should adapt for themselves that's the question uh that's that's what we're going to talk about here in this segment because we talked a lot about this format from the acc's perspective But what about from the SEC's perspective? Is this something that the SEC should think about doing, getting rid of divisions, playing in one big giant division, a.k.a. the conference, and the two best teams within the conference play for the SEC championship game? We're going to talk about that here in this segment. A while back, if you remember, I brought up the conversation of the SEC going to a pod structure. That was what I had talked about, going to the four-pod system, pod A, pod B, C, D, one, two, three, four, whatever you want to call it, right? I had talked about if the SEC had gone to that with Oklahoma and Texas. Remember, that was part of the deal, talking about when Oklahoma and Texas come to the SEC, what would it look like if they had gone to a pod system? And... When you look at this new ACC format and you look at the pod system I talked about, they're kind of similar, folks. They're kind of the same thing. Maybe not exactly, but they're pretty similar. And so to kind of refresh you on what I was talking about with the pod system, remember, this is with Oklahoma and Texas in, in the SEC for college football. I had four pods, and pod one was Auburn, Alabama, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. Pod 2 was Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, Arkansas. Pod C was Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, South Carolina. And Pod 4 was Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, and Texas A&M. And the format was as this. You play the other three teams in your pod every single year, okay? 
Then you play two games against each of the other pods, and you get rid of one of the cupcake games and you add the extra conference game. Those two games would would rotate and you would eventually play everybody in a shorter amount of time. When you compare that to the new ACC football format, it's kind of similar, and it's pretty similar if you ask me, because when you look at it, the new ACC format, which they announced today, by the way, this will start in 2023 and will continue through 2026. It's a four-year term, if you will, that the ACC is going to try out. Each team, you have those three primary opponents that you play every single year. And then the other 10 within the ACC, you will play twice in a four-year span. So if you play a team this year, you probably won't play them next year. You'll play them the following year. But you'll play everybody in the ACC twice. So what about if the SEC did that? Right? That kind of goes along with the question of the day. If Auburn, if the SEC is to take this type of format, who are the three teams that Auburn has to play every single year? Who would those three primary opponents be for Auburn in your mind? That's the question of the day talking about this topic. And when you talk about the SEC taking this type of format, it would be interesting, right? You would look at it, there would be no SEC East, there would be no SEC West, which if you missed the conversation with Zach Blackerby of Locked on Auburn back in hour number one, he talked about how the SEC's divisions have become lopsided, right? You look at the West versus the East, it's completely lopsided. Of course, Georgia is in the East, but that's it. Nobody else in the SEC East is doing anything right now. And when you look at the SEC West, realistically, five out of the seven, eh, I don't know, maybe. But you know you know what I'm trying to say here is that the SEC West is a lot more competitive than the SEC East because realistically, Alabama, LSU, uh, Arkansas, Auburn, State, Ole Miss, A&M, whoever, I mean, they can all realistically win this division I mean they have the talent and they have the coaches to do so you look at a conference like the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan in the same conference or in the same division rather you look at the ACC which has still currently Clemson Florida State that type of thing you see that in the Pac-12 you see it sometimes in the Big 12 it's something that has become a problem in college football These major conferences have lopsided divisions and it's hurting the game. It's hurting the product. And the SEC is definitely at the forefront of that. So if the SEC were to get rid of the East and the West and play in one big conference, no divisions, the best two teams every year would play for the SEC championship game. That was the same thing I talked about with the pod system. That's what makes sense. So no longer would it be Alabama from the SEC West and an average Florida team because Georgia had a bad year where Alabama stomps them and gets a free ride to an SEC championship game and a free ride to the college football playoff. No, it would now be if it's Alabama and LSU or if it's Alabama and Auburn or if it's Georgia and Florida, whoever it may be, The two best teams by winning percentage in the conference are going to play for the conference championship game. Now, could you imagine that? Could you imagine if Alabama and LSU played for the SEC championship game? Could you imagine if Alabama and Auburn 
played for the SEC championship game, if Georgia and Florida played for the SEC championship game, that could happen because there would no longer be divisions. The two best teams in the conference would play in the conference championship game. And you look at it from other conference perspectives. Ohio State and Michigan could play for the Big Ten championship game. Oklahoma and Texas could play, right? They could do that. They can, but I'm talking just across the board. That could happen year in and year out. And really, when I'm looking at this, I look at the Big Ten and the SEC as the big ones, right? I look at those as the big ones where you could have some serious matchups in the conference championship games, but that's how it should be. The two best teams from the conference should play in the conference championship game. Just because one team is on the other side doesn't mean they deserve to be there. If the record doesn't show it, it doesn't show it. So that's what's so cool about this. And again, looking at this from the SEC perspective, you could get some historical all-time matchups in the SEC championship game. Auburn could play LSU. Kentucky could play Florida. Those types of weird things. That's what makes this so exciting. And then you look at the three primary opponents. I talked about... For me, for Auburn, it would be Alabama, Georgia, and Arkansas. I think that would be the ones I would want to see. But then what really plays into this is Auburn would get to play all of the other SEC schools within a four-year span. Now, this is a little bit different because this is 14 teams from the ACC. or The SEC is about to have 16. So that's why I talked about the pod system. You would still get to play every team in the SEC, but within like a four-year span, not a seven- or eight-year span. It's better quality football. It's more entertaining. It's better opponents. It mixes it up a little bit to where Auburn doesn't have to play Ole Miss, Mississippi State every single year. Auburn would get to play Florida and Tennessee more often. Auburn would get to play Vanderbilt and Kentucky more often. South Carolina and Missouri more often, right? Georgia would remain that one team that you play every year if you went to this format. And there's a way to adjust it, I'm sure, with 16 versus 14 with with Oklahoma and Texas coming, but you can add that into the mix. Auburn would get to play them more often rather than just putting them in the divisions and saying, well, if they're in your division, you're going to play them every year. If they're in the other division, yeah, you'll see them in seven years. I just don't like that. I don't like that. So I'm proud and I am, you know, congratulating the ACC for making a move like this because I think it is something that will catch on from other major conferences. I really do. I think this is something we are going to see from the Big Ten, the SEC, the Big 12, the Pac-12, possibly even the ACC or the, excuse me, the AAC and some, you know, non-Power 5 conferences. I think you're going to see that because they can tell the success rate from this. They can see how this is better for each individual team, each individual conference, and the game of college football as a whole. And I'll tell you what, in the times right now with college football getting so much flack for, in hate really, for all of this NIL stuff and the quality of the product, you know, the There's a real concern for that. This changing the ways that it is ran right now is a great way to do that. And I think in the future, 
The NCAA is not going to have anything to do with it. We have definitely talked about that here on the show, too. The NCAA eventually is not going to have anything to do with that. And to bring in the conversation about the SEC being so dominant in so many sports, eventually the SEC is going to go and do their own thing. I believe this will be one of them, this new football scheduling format. I think you're going to see many changes in postseason play for SEC championships, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, whatever it may be. That's going to happen. But the ACC has made a great change. I'm excited to see how it works. They have a four-year um, lifespan, if you will, on this. It starts next season, 2023. It'll run in 23, 24, 25, and 26. And so every team will play everybody at least twice. And I think that's really interesting. I think the SEC would benefit greatly from this. And I believe, I don't know how long it'll take, but I definitely think the SEC will have to make a change. Not just because of Texas and Oklahoma, that's a big part of it, but even if they weren't coming to the SEC, I think that the Southeastern Conference and Greg Sankey would make some type of change like this. I just think they would, and they should. What do you think? I'd love to hear from you. What's your opinion about this new scheduling format from the ACC? Should the SEC take it? Do you think it is something that the rest of college football will follow up on? Will they implement this new system? And ultimately, do you like it? Do you like where this is going? I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And you want to look at this from the Auburn perspective. I think Auburn would benefit from this. I do. I think Auburn would really benefit from this. You play Alabama every single year, right? You play Georgia every year in this new format. So you already do that. So those two things are not going to change. And the third team that you're going to pick up is probably a team you already play every year. It's probably going to be an SEC West team, like an Arkansas or Texas A&M or one of the Mississippi schools or LSU. It's going to be one of those schools. So you're not going to have to worry about that changing. But realistically, you're going to pick up some easier opponents. Because what this means is, instead of playing the entire SEC West, you get to start playing some of those SEC East teams that are not as good as the SEC West. That is a fact. You will get to play Tennessee, Missouri, Kentucky, South Carolina, Florida, teams that are not as good as the SEC West right now. And then you throw in Oklahoma and Texas in the mix. Not sure how that's going to work, but you'll play them more often. Those two teams are resume boosters. The other ones should be wins and W's on the schedule. That's how Auburn would benefit from a new format in SEC scheduling. Because right now, Auburn plays the toughest schedule in college football every single year. No doubt. They do. They play in the toughest conference, the toughest division, with the toughest opponents. They play the toughest crossover game, and they play the best teams in college football. It's okay if Auburn doesn't have the toughest schedule in college football every single year. Yeah, we like to to pound our chest and say that, but it's obviously hurting Auburn because they're not winning games. It's okay if the schedule is a little bit easier. Make this a little easier on Brian Harson. Make this a little easier on Auburn to win some games. I'm okay if Auburn gets to play a couple SEC East teams like, like South Carolina and Missouri. 
every year, or more often rather, than playing LSU and Arkansas and Ole Miss, who are all really good, Texas A&M. That's what I'm trying to get at here. I think the SEC will and should take this new approach, something like this new 3-5-5 format that we've seen the SC, or the ACC excuse me, take. I'm excited to see how it works and the response from other college football conferences, especially the Power Five. I think they're all going to do something eventually. The SEC definitely included in that, and Auburn, I promise, will benefit from it. Let's take our final break here in the Tuesday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with final take before I get out of here, and it'll be the drive with uh, Dan Peck. I believe Bill is on vacation this week, but again, taking the final break before we come back and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7 in Auburn, Opelika, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Silicon. It's been a great show today. If you missed any of it, make sure you go and find the podcast. Just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. I'll upload that immediately following today's show. You can find all of today's show and any other show that you may have missed here or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast again it's been a great show we've talked a lot about the ACC's new football scheduling format and I believe that the SEC should and will adapt something like this and if they do Auburn football will benefit from it SEC football will benefit from it and college football in general will benefit from it as well it's important to make changes when changes are due and when they are needed. And this is where it's needed. The divisions across college football, especially in the Power Five conferences, have become lopsided. It's not competitive anymore. Teams are being punished for being in a division because more times than not, in the conference championship games, it's not the two best teams playing for it all. Teams are being punished for being put in either Division East, Division West, Division North, or Division South. They're getting punished for that. And that's just not fair. In college football, whatever conference you're in, it should be the two best teams to play for the championship. And with this new format that the ACC has adapted, that's how it's done. And I want that for the Big 12, for the Pac-12, for the Big 10, and ultimately the SEC. I want that for the Southeastern Conference, and I want it for Auburn because I think Auburn can benefit from that. It shows that Auburn now does not have to be undefeated best team in the SEC West to make a conference championship game. And I'm not trying to make an excuse and say, well, Auburn's trying to sneak their way in, but this would leave just a little bit of room for mistakes. Because right now with the West and the East, you basically have to go undefeated to make the SEC championship game because of how good Alabama is or how good LSU has been. Or if another team is is that good like we've seen in the past, it's normally been an undefeated team. With this new format, you have one division, three primary opponents, and you play everybody else twice in a four-year span. You play everybody more often. You get more competition. You get better product. 
and the two best teams are going to fight it out at the end. That is what good football looks like. And if the SEC wants to continue to be the best conference in college football, they need to make these necessary changes. I think they should, and I think they will. And at the end of the day, Auburn football will benefit from it, I promise you. I promise. So we're going to have to see. I think it'll happen, though. I really do. That's it for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Hey, I'll be back tomorrow, okay? Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.